Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Hey, y'all. It's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Get ready for a jam-packed episode. The guys review They Who Were Eight, Rum and Bone Second Tide, 7th Sea RPG, and Bring Us Another Flying Squirrels. They also premiere a brand new segment from Chaz Marler, Fuzzy Tales. Hey, what's the flavor of the jam? Welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, even though we can't contribute anymore. <laughs> I'm Tony. And this is Marty. And this is, if I haven't already mentioned it, episode number 114. That's Get Back. And that, Marty, is by who? I believe it's the Beatles. And we all know what that means coming up in the show. We will have that fine gentleman, Chaz Marler. Oh, I just thought that we were like celebrating like a 54th anniversary release of Please Please Me. No, uh, no, no. We just got, we got to keep with the theme. I was going through them all. I was thinking I am the walrus. I said, have we used that one? But I said, no, get back. I said, that is appropriate for this one because Chaz is, as you know, as you promoted to me, he's bringing a whole new segment to the show. Yes, he is. And we can't wait to have him on. And uh, we're going to be introducing this segment uh, later on in the show. Oh, it, the reference that you made earlier, people may not not realize that after Dice Tower episode 500, there will be no more contributor segments. Segments. People may be wondering, uh, why would you be contributing anymore? So uh, that's why uh, Tom and Eric finally realized that they don't need losers like us on their show to make it any good. Uh, that's right. They're, ride our coattails, that's fine, but we don't need you to come on, give us your favorite top game of 2008 or answer this question anymore. We got this handled, boys. Y'all are girls. Y'all just handle just go do your own thing. But hey, the run was fun while we were there. Yes, it was. But, you know, he said, uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out. And then he yelled something like, shut the door or something like that. That was bad. I'm not even good. That one. Oh, that was a nice tie-in. <laughs> you know, I was wondering. I'm hey, I was, yeah, I was trying to make it all fit together here. Yeah, well, you did a great job on that. Now, I just returned from a cruise to the West Caribbean. Wow. We got to go, Marty. Come on. Come on. Jo you and Vanessa, get on the boat. Let's go. And do what? Go see stuff, dude. It's amazing. You should have seen their game library they had on that boat. On Oh, I can't wait to hear. Like what? They had categories. Okay. They had tables with chess boards. Okay. That's kind of cool. That, that's cool. You, you could go play chess. They had a crossword puzzle on a board that was laminated so you could come and do a crossword puzzle. So basically you do it once. Yeah. They had Yahtzee. But my favorite thing that occurred on this cruise was they played a new party game. And I'm going to steal from you. I don't know if you've heard this party game. It's called Majority Rules. Have you heard about this? I have not. All right. So Majority Rules, the, the cruise director and the assistant cruise director were telling me about it. And they were basically saying, okay, it's not about trivia. Now, I was like, okay, you know, I've been doing decent in the trivia rounds that, that they have on the boat. I always go do the trivia because it's so much fun. But Majority Rules... Basically, you're in a room with people, and this is a great party game, people, that, you know, let's say you got 20 guests over, and not many things other than werewolf. <laughs> right. <laughs> plays well with 20 people. But this is kind of neat. You branch out into teams, and they'll ask you a question. And let's make it something simple. It's kind of like 
sort of our rank them, Marty. You, you okay. go out there and I'll say, hey, what is the color of the sky? And everybody has sheets of paper. Or the teams have a sheet of paper and they write down their answer. And you take it up to the guy hosting the questions and he puts them all together. And whatever the majority answer is, that's the answer. And those teams score points. And the team with the most points wins. Whatever the majority answer is. So if a lot of people say red. Yeah, the sky's not red. But if the majority is red, they get a point. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. So you don't necessarily have to be right. You just have to be in the majority with everybody else's answering. That's right. Like one of the questions they asked was, name a good-looking movie actor. Oh, okay. So it's some of it's subjective. It's all subjective. But you've got to sit there and think, well, what are most people going to answer? And what did most people answer? For that one, it was George Clooney. Oh, yeah, but you were on a senior citizen's boat, so that makes sense. I'm going to show you a picture later of that. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) so, and I am a senior. I got my AARP card in the mail the other day. (laughs) Did you get yours? I chunked it. I did too. I grinded mine on up. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't want any part of this. So yeah, I mean, that was neat. So majority rules, people. So let's, you've got a big party going on. It's, you can All you got to do is cut up a bunch of paper, split people up in teams of three, let's say. And then everybody, you just have the questions you sit there. I mean, think of it. It's like our rank them. But what would be cool, you actually could make it a, a board game version, right? You could say, uh, what is your favorite failed game? Exactly. Or, 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 you know, that, that'd be kind of cool if you do a, a board game theme type game. But, you know, that's going hardcore. And if you're going with hardcore gamers, they're not going to play. They're going to play board games. Okay, point taken. Okay. So, anyway, that was one of the neatest things that occurred on the cruise. I was so mad at myself. I'm, well, see, if that's one of the neatest things, I don't need to go. Okay. We went on a... And on, we went to Cosmel. That was one of our stops. And in Cosmel, we did the Rio Secreto. I'm butchered that up, but Secret River, which you can watch on National Geographic. And it is a cave hike in a non-drive cave because most caves that you hike in are dry, right? Sure. I don't walk in a lot of caves, but okay. Have you not done the caverns in Virginia? I've done Linville Caverns here in North Carolina. Okay. So there you go. Well, it was so neat. We were hiking in a cave that was mostly it was full of, not full of water, but it was not dry. In other words, it had water in it. <laughs> so it was wet. It was a wet cave. <laughs> this cave is not dry. It's not dry. So yeah. it's wet. Well, most, it. most caves are full of water or they're dry. Okay. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's funny. It's like, well, it's either wet or it's dry. I'm not sure there's one in between. This one's moist. It's okay, bit, it's moist. As soon as it's a little bit moist, it's wet. Uh, yeah, okay. Anyway, and you're walking along and, you know, you're, you're stomping through the cave. And I'm, thank goodness they had a helmet because, well, let's just say my head tried to, uh, you know, not take out a, which one hangs from the top? Stalactites or stalagmites? One of those. Yes. One you trip on, one you hit your head on. So we're going through this thing. And he eventually goes, all right, this is where we swim. And you step off and there's nothing underneath you. And of course, we're wearing life vest and wetsuit. And you are, you're floating through the cave. Amazing. Freaking. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Freaking amazing. I climbed a Mayan ruin, which brings me to another thing we'll talk about. That is something that's coming out from Portal later. So that was so cool. And then, of course, that was in Belize. That was really, really neat. And then I went to um, Rotan, an island, which was basically snorkeling. And I almost gave, went chumming for some fish because it was, the seas were kind of rough when we were while out on the boat. But, you know, that's all right. I held it inward. 
You held it inward. Yeah. In other words, I didn't puke over the side of the boat. You kept it down. I kept it down. And this was just <laughs> this was just snorkeling, dude. I'm out there, you know, floating around with a life vest, snorkeling, looking at the pretty fish. Do you know what happens when you snorkel and your snorkel goes under the water? Yeah, well, you suck up a lot of water, I assume. And it's seawater. Yes, which is salty, typically. Oh, I only did that once. I mean, a wave came over, a small wave, and I didn't realize it, and my head was down because I'm watching the fish, and then, and I, it was, oh, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Who needs a folly stage when you got you doing your own sound effects? Uh, exactly. But I think you, me, Vanessa, and Donna would have a blast. Vanessa, Donna can lay by the pool, get their margaritas, their frozen daiquiris, and you and I on sea days can go and play games. And I saw Five Crowns was being played, Skip Bow. I saw, oh my heavens, there were, there must have been 10 cribbage boards out at one time. It was unreal. Well, again, it's a senior citizens one. So I, there was a shuffleboard. Uh, no, but there was pickleball. Okay. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, it's tennis with a wiffle ball. Oh, okay. You'd enjoy that one. And then me and the cruise director played basketball. He held a basketball thing, uh, on a certain day and I showed up and it was just me and him. Was the cruise director like Julie from Love Boat? Uh, no, she wasn't. Actually, I, it was the assistant correct, cruise director, Jordan. He did great. He did an incredible job. He, he was a really nice guy. Did you meet an assistant gopher named, an assistant person named Gopher? Uh, no, uh, my, um, my um, steward was Woo. <laughs> Exactly. I, people are like, I, we have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, just Google uh, Love Boat sometime, everybody. That's that's what I'm making. Which, by the to. way, was I think I think this was the 50th year or 30th year for the Love Boat. I can't it remember. was not the 50th year. It came out like in the late 70s, early 80s. Well, when Princess started the cruises, I forget how old the Love Boat is. They reintroduced the Love Boats this year. The Love Boat. Uh, Soon we'll be making another run. Are you done? I'm done. Okay. So anyway, that was vacation number one this year. And now we're, we're planning vacation number two, which of course is Rocky Mountain Gaming Vacation. He's still got some rooms, people. Michael said, hey, I got a few rooms. Uh, I don't know if people backed out or whatever. He's real close to selling out. It might be sold out already. I don't know. But either way, if you come to the Rocky Mountain Gaming Vacation... We'll even play majority rules. Why, why would people want to go there and play majority rules? You just said if gamers are there, they will not want to play this game. Don't throw facts back in my face. Okay, don't, <laughs> don't do it, dude. That's where it's wrong. I got an idea. Why don't you sit there with Mike Fitzgerald and play Baseball Highlights 2045? I am so going to do that. Sean and I, we're going to try, I'm going to try to get Sean to do a little um, co-podcasting with me there. Nice. And then, of course, there'll be a lot of hiking and rafting, and I'm really excited about that. So that's the next vacation. Did you uh, happen to see the Golden Geek Awards that came out? They just came out right after you got back. Uh, yes. Uh, well, I knew that they were coming out. I clicked on the vote. I went and did my votes before I left. And then I clicked on the vote button thanking the winner. And then I went over to the winners. And yeah, I did see that. Basically, it was a big scythe love fest. It was. We we gave it an award, didn't we? It was a nominee it was for a nominee. award, yes. Well, it was a nominee until the guy who's sitting here waiting to come on decided to scratch it out. That's true. That, that That's very true. But yeah, uh, so Scythe won a lot. I was really excited to see things like Arkham Heart LCG come up in a lot of categories. Star Wars Rebellion was in there a lot. Saw Terraforming Mars. So it was your typical things that you would expect people to see in, in a in a popular vote poll. But you know what? A lot of people say, uh, I don't like the board game uh, geek award 
charge because everybody's just going to vote for the most popular game. Well, duh. I want to hear what the, the game was the most popular with all the gamers. I'm, I'm with you there. I, oh, I did see a print and play one that I will be printing tomorrow using non-company resources while I'm at work. I had to clarify <laughs> that. And I am going to Star Trek The Dice Game. Oh, that sounds interesting. I missed that one completely. Now, I have tried 30 Rails. 30 Rails was a pretty cool print and play game. So I'll have to give it that. And congrats to shut up and sit down for the best podcast. Congrats, guys. That is an awesome honor. And you guys deserve it. They do a great job. They really do deserve it. They do a fantastic job. I I love their videos. I love the... I told them they were the Monty Python of the uh, board game podcast and board game shows because I just like that style of humor. So uh, congrats to them. It was no surprise. I actually, you know, if somebody would have said, hey, who do you think is going to win? I would have said them right off the bat. And so it's, it's not a shocker there that they won. Right. In Ludology, and of course, Rado Talks Through got the runner-ups. Ludology, understand, you know, another great podcast. And let's take a moment and just say thank you to all of our listeners for even putting us in with that class of people and getting us a nominee. Thank you so much. We, Marty and I, we, we greatly, greatly appreciate it, and, and thank you for taking the time out and doing that. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to us. It, I guess we're doing something a little bit right somewhere, Tony, to to get into, what, like the top 15. So uh, just to be nominated, I guess this is our third time in a row. Yes. And you know what? I'm fine with continuing to be the bridesmaid. I'm okay with that. Uh, yeah, because I figure if we keep doing this for the next 10 years, eventually they will run out. <laughs> That's right. There'll be nobody left but us. Exactly. And hopefully 10 years from now, we'll still be doing this. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, I do want to mention another winner that actually I'm going to be talking about later on in the show. The winner of the Game of the Year in the RPG segment was 7th C, the second edition. I saw that. And Tony, we got a copy of that. And later on then in the show, myself and my son, Travis, who is a huge RPG fan and just really understands RPGs really well, are going to sit down and do a five-minute initiative for that game. So that was exciting. Great timing that they won, and we're going to be talking about it later. Yeah, that's pretty good. And someday we'll be playing you know, a whole bunch of RPGs. We just, we just really need. I just want to play one RPG at this point. Okay, we'll pick one. I want to play one RPG, and that's Middle Earth. Okay, done. We'll, we'll play that. Boom. Uh, yeah, you said that last year when I bought the book. Well, I'm a slow reader. I just finished Ignacy's Board Games That Tell Story <sighs> Volume 2 while I was on the boat. I need another cruise. Hey, oh, yeah. And I also saw you talking to Ignacy in our email asking for Volume 3. Can we please play the RPG before he puts out another book and you have to read it? Yeah, fine. Okay. Um, let's, let's set a date. April. April it is. We'll do, we'll, we'll get all our buddies here in Charlotte. And if we can't get enough, we'll do it online. We will make this happen. I can't, can't wait. I mean, there's a lot of really great uh, RPGs. In fact, <laughs> I just saw today that My Little Pony RPG is out. I saw some. What? Where? What? It. Where? Yeah. Yep. I saw the book. I saw it uh, online, so I'm sure you may be interested in that. And also, there's a really cool one right now on a Kickstarter called Song of Swords, and it's a fantasy-themed RPG, but what's cool about it is the combat mechanic is very tactical. You know, typically in RPGs, you just say, I'm going to attack this monster. In this case, you have a pool of dice, and you say, I'm going to allocate so many dice for this attack, and I'm going to attack a certain 
zone on their body. Mm-hmm. So you look the opponent up and down, you go, well, I see he doesn't have leg armor, so I'm going to try to sweep the leg Ooh, cool. or something like that. And then basically you have a pool dice that you work through to the combat. So it's a lot more tactical. I do think it'll obviously slow down. <laughs> the, uh, the, the combat will be a lot slower than typical games, but I thought that was cool to try to put some sort of tactical element into the game for combat. So that's currently right now on Kickstarter. So y'all just check that out. Song of Swords. What is not on Kickstarter right now, except maybe the biggest game so far yet from Simon? That's just... Un- okay, so f- what does it mean? You're a computer guy. What does it mean... 503 error back in not available. I thought they were, I thought Kickstarter was doing not for safe. This is a family show. Uh, exactly. I'm like, I'm at work and I'm like, is this, this is not safe for work. They putting this error on my screen. I'm going <laughs> to, the, the Duke IT people are going to come run me down. What was that? Rising Sun just came out on Kickstarter and the Kickstarter servers crashed. It came out here at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And yes, I was sitting at my computer hitting refresh. And like you, Tony, that he, you were like, what's wrong i can't get in i can't get in and like everybody started tweeting they can't get in so c- congratulations to simon and eric lang for crashing the servers that is just special that is the way to do it it just looks so good i just saw and it'll probably unlock while we're talking tonight the siege turtle thingies stronghold turtles they got turtles with strongholds on the back of them just that model alone is just incredible <laughs> it's your typical Simon type Kickstarter, right? It's tons uh-huh. of kick, Kickstarter exclusives. That's what I look for now in the Kickstarter stuff. If it says Kickstarter exclusive, I'm very interested. To me, what I'm more excited about than all the extra miniatures is the upgraded components. It's like every cardboard piece in that game is now being upgraded to plastic. And I love plastic components. And you can love that. All year long because it's not coming till 2018. That is absolutely right. That's so funny about these Kickstarters. Everybody gets so excited. Yeah. Woohoo. And then a month later, it's like the Kickstarter's over. It's like, yeah. Woo. Exactly. And then you don't talk about it for another year. I mean, why, why spend $100 now to play something a year from now? If I drop $100 now, I want some type. Uh, so I want something. I want to put You want something, something for your investment. Yeah, I want... I, Play a game now. If I I could buy three games for a hundred dollars, or better yet, just wait a little while because Lord knows Barnes and Noble uh, sales are coming up pretty soon. I could pick that kind of stuff up. I'm just like, but I lose out on all the Kickstarter stuff. Oh, it's so frustrating. It's just, mm, it's just, mm. That's the really way that I am with Kickstarter right now. Unless there's tons of exclusive Kickstarter stuff, I can I can now wait. I'm to the point where I can just wait for it to come out, but. It, you can't do that with Cool Minute. You got uh, Mass Mora. I've gotten, you know, Arcadia Quest Inferno. I've got Rum and Bones Second Edition with all these extra goodies that if you went out and got the retail version, it wouldn't include any of that stuff. I just don't know what to do. About? About Rising Sun. I just, I just don't know. I, I am torn because... Uh, uh, anyway, moving on. You have three weeks to think about it, so d- don't kill yourself tonight about it. Oh, I'm not. Hey, but sh- uh, speaking of delayed satisfaction, I got home today, and guess what was sitting in a huge box outside of my garage door? Your Eldritch Horror Dice. That is incorrect. Oh. It's even better than that. What'd you get? What'd you get? What'd you get? Ares Games finally shipped their anniversary edition on War of the Ring. All right, podcast is over. I hope you enjoyed it. Keep rolling, guys. <laughs> this is the most beautiful board game I have ever seen 
in my entire life. All right. I'm sure it is. I cannot wait. I tell you what, we will play the Middle Earth RPG after we play that. A 26-pound box. Whoa. It is huge. And I've seen the first, uh, there's a special edition, the first one that came out with the big wooden book. While that's cool and everything, I actually like the look of this one better. It's a lot more elegant. Everything's nicely painted. They have these gorgeous trays for keeping all your minis. The rule books, Tony, oh my gosh, they're like these hardback, really nice cover. They're like books? They're actually like real books? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they're not the paper rule books. I mean, they're like tomes almost i mean absolute like a then they're held in like a little felt case they went all out on this game oh man i see that is awesome and and can i ask you you don't have to answer it but i am going to ask you how much did it cost you it was 370 dollars. i think that's what it was it was in a 300 dollar range wow i know i know it was one of those things where i saw it I've always wanted to, I, I've play, I bought this game sight unseen. I've never played War of the Ring, but I've heard so many great things about this game. I love Lord of the Rings so much. And I told Vanessa about it. And she said, this was two years ago, remember? She said, Marty, just, just do it. You'll regret it if you don't do it. And now that I've got it, I'm so glad I did because I would have regretted it. All right. You know, Donna works for a lawyer and he does trust for families, right? He just sets up trust and wills, right? Sure. All right. Would you like an appointment so you can go ahead and develop your trust so you can set up the three boys on how they will divide <laughs> up that incredible game? Yeah, I, I actually thought about that. It's like one of the boys is going to inherit this this beast. This is a fight. This is a fight at your funeral. <laughs> What's exciting, Tony, and I'm going to go ahead and tease this because I talked you and I talked about us doing it. You and I got, are going to play War of the Ring. We're going to play Star Wars Rebellion. And then sometime in the future, we're going to do an episode. We'll review each of those games individually and then talk about and compare and contrast. Because when Star Wars Rebellion came out, a lot of people said, this is War of the Ring and the Star Wars universe. All right. Well, I can go ahead and put it on our calendar. Let's plan on it. Donna is out of town the weekend, first weekend in May. So I am open from Thursday to Sunday uh, afternoon. Perfect. That's Vanessa's birthday weekend. That'll work well for you. <laughs> That's also when Guardians of the Galaxy comes out. So Vanessa's birthday weekend, Guardian of the Galaxy, you're useless. You're, it figures. Donna goes out of town. I have four days of gaming and you're gone. We'll do something. Anyway, so I am very excited about War of the Ring. I'm excited about playing Star Wars Rebellion with you because you never got a chance to play that. I really think comparing these two in the show is going to be an exciting episode, and I can't wait to do it. Moving on. You know, I do that Envoy splash stuff. Envoy is the group that gets a bunch of people or has a, a whole litany of people who go out and demo games for the various publishers, right? So I'm a member of sure, Envoy. Yeah. And I'm uh, Knight of the Stronghold, Ignite. Uh, Aussie's part of that, Portal's part of that. And anyway, on May, 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 no, March 18th, they are doing a splash for Imperial Settlers Aztecs. I'm coming to that event because I want to play. So you got a copy already? I got a copy. It's sitting over there. So I've got Aztec. You and I played it, of course, with last June. Yeah, but that was prototype art and everything. I want to see what the final thing looks like. Yeah, I'll be tweeting out pictures and all of that. And um, I'm excited for it. So I'll be doing that splash. If you're in the Charlotte area at Pineville, Carolina Tabletop Games, I'll be doing that from when he opens for five hours. I, you know what? I got to relearn Imperial. 
Imperial. It's been a while since I played. I've played um, 51st State, which has a has a expansion coming out, but I haven't played Imperial in a while since June. So I forgot. You know, I got to refresh myself. Yes, I'm excited about that. Cannot wait uh, to try out the Aztecs. Uh, and it was one of those games that you and I just really, really enjoy, along with 51st State. So, but and like we've talked about in the past, they're similar but different enough where I want to own both. I want to see how it changed since we played it with the prayer mechanism. On, yes. on the Aztecs, and which ties back to going all the way back to the beginning, the cruise and me going up the Mayan temple. So on our blog, I'll be posting a picture of me from the top of a Mayan temple on the cruise. So are we ready to kick over to our first segment of the show? Uh, yes, I am, because I think we've taken enough of people's time. It's like, okay, guys, move on. We get it. So here we go. Five minute initiative begins in three, two. In 2016, John Wick Presents successfully kickstarted the 7th C RPG, which is a second edition of this RPG, and it came out uh, late last year, and we actually got a copy of it. So we wanted to, to talk about it. However, I'm not the expert at RPGs in order to be able to get into the book and understand how the system works, whereas my son Travis is. That's why I wanted him to uh, talk about it. Now, the theme of this is what really struck me. It's a pirate theme game. Travis, is this based off historical basis or is this like fictional settings? The setting is fictional, but you can see where the authors were using real live Europe as sort of a baseline for the countries that they were making. You can easily see that there's a country based off of Britain, a country based off of Spain, a country based off of Germany. But what they do is they build upon the actual cultures and they like make what they'd be like in sort of this fantastic setting that we are playing in right now. Is this a typical RPG where you, where you have classes where you can be a rogue, wizard, fighter, etc.? There is like the your fighter, your mage, but they're not really called like fighter and mage and all that. Uh, instead, what you do is kind of based off of where your character is from. Where characters from determines like things that they're able to do. Most places are able to do magic, but like the more Germanic country kind of focuses on like hexes. It's kind of a more, you know, like a coven, a witch type deal. This setting has magic in it. This setting does have magic in it, which I thought was pretty interesting. First going into it, I thought it was going to be like a grounded, so to speak, but I personally like how it's still a more fantastic setting and not just like a strictly realistic, just pirate theme. So we're talking about uh, creating characters. I know that's a big thing for a lot of RPGs and I know some of them you roll characters or you're having a points allocation system. So how is a character generated in this system? Uh, a character is generated pretty much in a similar fashion to every other system where you have your um, skills, but they're uh, called traits here. And you have to, you know, equipment, where you're from, everything like that. But what I thought was interesting was how when creating a character, it actually goes through his questions and asks like, where's your character from? What's their motivations? It actually like gives you questions to ask yourselves. Like one thing about your character to make your character like who they are instead of just some numbers on a page. Also, it helps develop a backstory. It actually does help develop a backstory, which is something that kind of separates 7C from other systems is that this does put more of an emphasis on like the story of the characters and the story of the world and everything that's going on. Oh, that's really cool. And and of course, you know, combat's a big thing in a, in a lot of systems. This is like D&D and uh, Pathfinder, where it's the typical multi-sided dice system. Uh, no, it actually uses exclusively D10s. At first, when I thought they were going to use a handful of D10s, I thought it was going to be like the um, Games Workshop RPGs where you'd go and you try to be going for a percentile-based thing. But then it's 
more like Shadowrun, where instead you're trying to get successes with a whole bunch of dice. But it doesn't do it in the way that Shadowrun does, where there's a certain target number that you have to reach. Instead, when you roll your dice, you're actually going to add them up and try to make sets of 10. And each 10 is considered a raise, which is a successful action that you take. Oh, wow. That, that sounds complicated, is it? Not really. At first I thought, well, what if like... I have two dice and one of them is eight, one of them is seven, 15. Does that five carry over? No, it doesn't. It's just one, the eight and the seven is one raise or success. So it's not actually that hard. It's just putting your dice together, trying to make sense of 10, and those are all your successes. It is more easy to deal with in that you don't have as many successes to deal with in Shadowrun where you like roll a handful of dice and there's like eight or nine successes. It keeps it down to like the three and four range to keep things more manageable. Okay, and obviously everybody wants to know, I'm sure, is there ship-to-ship battles? This is pirates. Yes, there is ship-to-ship battles. Uh, Ship actions are taken just like how you take an action with your hero. You'd have your hero fire your cannons at the opponent. Your ship has stats like any other character. You can, you know, sail your boat. You can man the masts, anything. It is pirates after all. The book looks gorgeous. I think the art is fantastic. It's a big, thick book. I believe there's a section there for GMs, a section for players. So it's kind of all you need in one book, right? It is a very, very inclusive book, giving information for all sorts of topics. It's not separating like you have to buy three books for like the player the world and the gm it takes everything and gives it a very nice very concise overview in this one volume so let me ask you travis and we always come to the end of our five minutes and we say is this a a sort of a game that you'll keep on your shelf uh your player have no interest in is this an rpg you'd be interested in playing i think it would be i think the setting alone deserves mention it is a very interesting system with putting a more of an emphasis on like I said, the story. So not everything is about combat. There's what there's called dramatic sequences, which is something like your swashbuckling characters trying to rob somebody where it has more of an emphasis on the characters in the story other than just combat. So between the story and the actual setting, I think it is a very interesting system. Seventh C just won the Golden Geek Award for Best RPG of 2016, and it deserves it. There aren't many RPGs out there with this theme. So if you're interested to find out more, go to their website, seventhc.com. That's number seven, T-H-S-E-A.com. Five-minute initiative is complete. It's time for Flying Squirrels, two-minute discussions on topics that have our attention. For now... It's another installment of the Flying Squirrels. This is the segment where Tony and I will take two minutes to talk about whatever we want to. And at the end, you're going to hear this sound. And then we're going to move on to the next topic. Tony, are you ready to begin? I believe I am. First, I want to talk about something that's on Kickstarter right now. And this isn't a game. This is a wargaming or miniature carrying case. But what's so cool about this is that it's magnetic, Tony. This is from A. K plus and they sent us uh, a version of this for us to check out. This is really neat, Tony. So the whole frame and everything is made out of sheet metal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I gave it to you pre-assembled, but it comes with uh, all the sheet metal, just still uh, flat sheets of metal, and you basically roll up the edges. They're laser cut. 
so that you can form the, the frame and the drawers and everything. It took about 10 to 15 minutes. There's a really nice video for putting it all together. Then you had this nice case that you slide the frame into and you have three trays and he gives you a whole stack of rare earth magnets. Now first, Tony, I did not know that magnets had collectability. I guess there's rare, I guess there's common, and I guess there's common earth magnets. Oh sure, I guess there are because, well, we got the rare. I, I didn't know it, but they are strong. They, but the less strong than the legendary earth magnets. I have no earthly idea and I don't care because this is why. <laughs> Do you remember back when you and I went to Origins and we were playing in our War Machine tournament? Yes. And do you remember when my models fell and broke on the floor right before the tournament? Yes, that was it was horrible. Yes, it was. I think this case might could have helped you out. It would have. Now, my only concern about the case, Marty, is the edges are kind of sharp, so you may have to look at maybe putting a little tape over it, but I like how the shelves are adjustable. But another thing that caught my eye on this thing is that bag. Love the bag. It's got Velcro for all your badges and everything. Mm-hmm. Really cool. So, yeah, it, it will definitely be a case, that a small case, small army that you can carry around. It's not going to be that big and bulky. Uh, no, it's not. So, you you can get a lot of miniatures in there since the whole frame is magnetized. You can you can have magnets everywhere. He uh, the the trays won't slide out because he has little pins that he can put into place so that the trays don't accidentally slide forward. Have a shake test just like I do. Everything stays in place. So you need to go check this out. This is on Kickstarter right now. It's AK Plus Miniature Wargaming Carrying Slash Display Case. Okay, Marty, I'm tired of Kickstarters. All right, you just mentioned another one, but it's a good thing. Yeah, go take a look. But I, oh my God, there are just so many. It is getting me f- so frustrated. I mean, if we look at it, you've got Thunderstone Quest out there by AEG. You've got our buddies um, with Critters Below. These were the guys who put together Saltlands from Antler Games. They've got a new one out there that, that you need to go take a look at. Then you've got, of course... Champions of Midgard is going to end. And then you've got people who need funding, like Dan, Dan, the Game Boy Geek. Everything's out there. If you were to total all this stuff up, we're talking three, $400 you could easily spend in this month alone in the next 10 days and drop that on Kickstarter. Do these people not know that I am not a bottomless pit on my money? Matter of fact, I, I just don't understand where they, they're competing against each other. They need to get together and figure something out and plan their release is better. I don't think that's exactly going to happen. People just can release when they want to. Nobody obviously wanted to go against the behemoth that was Rising Sun, but there's a lot of different things out there, Tony. Like you said, there's a lot of really great games that I'm interested in too, but yes, you do have to be picky and choosy, but like I said in the intro, it's really going to come down to what's exclusive in the Kickstarter that I'll be able to get in it with instead of getting the retail version. Yeah, I mean, and let's not even talk about monikers. Okay, let's not talk about monikers. But I am, because you know why? I want the game. Yeah, shut up and sit down. It's their version of it, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and I wanted that one because that is such a fun game. It's gotten to the point now where I don't even want to go to the page. I don't because there's just so much good stuff and I'm not going to have it. So I don't know. Kickstarters, there's just so much. People, do yourself a favor. Go order one and then don't look at it again until 2018. <laughs> That's some good advice. All right, so twenty. 20- Two huge superhero movies has come out in the month of March. Have you had a chance to go see Batman Lego yet? I will not see Batman Lego because unless I go by myself. Donna has no zip, zero interest in it. Well, that is a shame because that is one hilarious movie. Start to finish 
laughs and jokes. Will Arnett does such a great job as Batman. My entire family liked this way better than we did the Lego movie, and we really liked the Lego movie. But Tony, it's the Easter eggs. I'm telling you, if you were to go in there, it's just Easter egg after Easter egg references to the old Batmans and new Batmans. It is just so good. Go by yourself. It's really worth seeing. I probably will. I mean, I can't. Everything is awesome. You know, I finally got to see that one, and Donna had no interest in the regular Lego. Now, our friends went and saw it, and they felt that the first Lego was so much better than Batman. But they're not the superhero types. That must must that's what makes the difference. Again, it's the references that are really cool. And then on the other extreme, oh yeah, we it is saw extreme. Logan oh, last week. Oh, it's so. Oh extreme. yeah, I think. And you just saw that most recently. I will say this is the least superhero type superhero film I have ever seen. It's dark. It's gritty. We really liked it. I cringed. I cried. I was sitting there wondering if Donna was going to make it through it. It was, oh my heavens. And I had someone sitting next to me in the theater talking to the screen for the first part of it. But anyway. I I hate that. I mean, all the actors did a fantastic job. I mean, it's not a lot of superhero-y stuff. It's about these characters. It's about Xavier. It's about Logan. It's about X-23. They all did a fantastic job. Really, everyone, you owe it to yourself. I think it's one of the best X-Men movies ever. It is rated R. A lot of language, a lot of violence, but it's really good. And you know what pisses me off the most? What? You didn't tell me there was no scenes at the end of it. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah. Tip. Once it goes to credits, you can leave the theater. There's no post-credit scene. A Steve Jackson game outside of Munchkin is Zombie Dice. And it's one of those games my wife loves. It's a simple game where you're rolling and trying to eat brains. Now, we received Dice Crowns. This is a similar type, not really similar game. Okay, following me so far. <laughs> so you're saying it's not dry. Well, right. Well, it's not. It's what it's interesting. It is dice rolling. Okay, <laughs> and I've watched some reviews and I've played it, and I don't necessarily agree with the reviews. I mean, it's fairly simple. If you collect so many crowns during the game, what the mechanic is is you roll all the dice. All right, and it, depending on what shows on the face, if there's crowns and you collect so many during your turn, then you may take a token. If you get the first person to get three tokens during the uh, the game, you're the winner. Now, there's also some knives for backstabbing, so this would be a great game for you and Rodney. And then there are skulls, and then there are scrolls on these dice. And when you roll them, if you get a, a scroll, you pass them to your neighbors, and they get to roll, and then they can give them back to you. Now, if you get three knives, your turn is over and you don't get to collect a token. So it's a kind of a push your luck mechanic. Of course, it's dice. All right. And we all know that, you know, dice, randomness, it's all in there. But anyway, Dice Crown, it's one of those games that, you know, for a quick little dice game, it's not that hard. It's fast. It's a quick uh, and 15 minutes of, of fun. I think it's a game that Donna will enjoy. I like the interaction where other people are rolling. It's not just me sitting there rolling dice, rolling dice, rolling dice. If I roll a certain thing, Other people get to collect those dice, and they get to roll them against you. So it's kind of neat. I like that. Yeah, that does sound pretty cool. I can't wait to try it sometime. Tony, I got a rant. I hope I can keep this rant in under two minutes. I'll try my best. If I can't, I may go over. I think I've already ranted on Kickstarter, so you take your turn. Recently, we just had some news from Fantasy Flight Games talking about their release schedule for uh, Star Wars Destiny. Uh, If you go out and try to find the Awakenings boosters right now, you, you really can. They're Hard to find. You can't order them anywhere. They're they're pretty much gone. Mm-hmm. FFG has announced that hey, don't worry, more Awakenings boosters are coming in June, in a limited run 
This is our last run. You've got to be kidding me because later in the same article, they say, oh, by the way, here's how we're going to do release sets in the future. We're going to release two starters and a base set. That base set will be available for one year. And then after the base set, there'll be two expansions with that year. So base set that runs for a year and then two expansions. Tony, why in the world would they not go ahead and make Awakenings available for one year like they're going to get ready to do in the future sets? Well, does this fit into their whole plan? Is Awakenings not going to be included next year? Can you not use it? I, I'm confused. No, 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 no. It's it's just like Magic in every other collectible game. You can continue to use it over and over. It's just going to be a limited run. If the limited run is not huge and people can't get this product, I'm going to be ill. And here's why, Tony. Perfect example. For the past two days, I've taught a person at in my office how to play Destiny. We've played it at lunch the past two days. He came away from that going, going, man, I really, really like this. But I went and looked for it and can't find it. He himself found these articles, how it's hard to find, how it's going to be limited to release. He said, you know what? It's just not me worth pursuing if I can't get it now. So I'm, I'm not interested in playing. FFG, you just lost a customer. And that's probably one of many newcomers who did not get a chance to play the game early on who may have found it now and can't get the product. What is going on? Well, look at it like this. They can very easily pull you in with the expansions and stuff later when they want to. And they can keep their inventory small. We sold it out. Tough noogies. Get over it. Yeah, but here's the thing, Tony. I can go out right now to Potomac Distribution's website and order the base set of the Lord of the Rings CCG that we started playing in 2001. Okay. No, I'm just I'm just saying that there's a lot of CCGs out there that they do limited runs. They didn't. They don't still print those things, but they made enough at least to keep product in the channel so that people could get it what they wanted. I know that it's collectible. It's collectible in the sense that the cards are rare and whatnot, but it shouldn't make it hard that I can't even get the commons or uncommons from the base set. I am very frustrated, and I'll hold judgment until after I see this limited run, and if this limited run has a huge amount of product to where... In August, September, if I teach this game, people can go out and still buy Awakenings boosters, I'll be happy. But if not, I'm telling you, it's going to hurt the game, and it already is. Sounds like an opportunity for me to sell. Now, for those of you who follow at Dyson Names on Twitter, you know that's Marty. I'm at Tony underscore RDTN. But Marty said, you know what? I can't do it all. You got to do something. And I said, but you're doing a great job. And he, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. But you're doing a great job of doing it all. Yeah. So keep doing it all. But okay, fine. I'll take on something. You want me to handle the Pinterest page? And you said no. You said I need to go over and do the Instagram account. And we do. We have an at Dyson Names Instagram account. Now our good buddies over at Epic Gaming Podcast, Roy. And y'all have seen Roy has really made a name for himself. He's doing videos for the Dice Tower. He's got his podcast. He does all this live streaming. He does great. Well, another project he does is what he puts together. He's called his Favorite Fridays. Instead of Throwback Thursdays, he's doing a board game Favorite Fridays. And I'm one of the contributors. Marty said, go knock yourself out, make yourself useful, and do that. So guys, if you have not followed um, Epic Gaming Podcast on Instagram, or checked out, he's now releasing these on the Dice Tower channel of the favorites. Be sure to do it because you may pick up a few gems or you will just see me be an idiot. I'm going to tell you right now, if you miss the one that releases on Friday, 3.10, you're going to hate yourself. Be sure to pick a, take a look at this one. I have seen this, Tony, and this is one of the best things I have ever seen. Now, don't get me wrong. You've come up with some gems on the segments. The one you did of the best designer is hilarious, but the one that's coming out is, oh, 
You're not going to be able to top it. I, it's going to be tough. I'll admit. I but I see. I thought my Mansions of Madness one was pretty spot on too, and Donna didn't appreciate me making her stand in the woods. But anyway, be sure to go over to our YouTube channel because I'm going to have some cuts from that as well, and I will release those. So be sure to check that out. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. Broken Token, they, Marty, must have gotten a 3D printer or something over there because they, the Broken Token, are offering Terraforming Mars hex tiles. So you can pimp out your Terraforming Mars, which Stronghold has gotten their new shipment in, so it's getting ready to come back on the shelf. So guys, before you go buy Terraforming Mars, be sure to go over to thebrokentoken.com and check out these new... I mean, they got city tiles, they got acrylic blue tiles, green tiles, ocean tiles. You don't even need to have Terraforming Mars to use these. You could use these in anything. So once again, guys, the Broken Token, I guess they got a new 3D printer, along with all that great woodcutting printer to do your inserts for... Terraforming Mars Hex Tiles. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. In our passport goodie box that we received recently, we got a game called They Who Were Eight. That's a tongue tire, Marty. Yeah, it is a tongue twister. They who were eight. It's kind of an odd name. So this game from, you know, publisher Passport Games created by Todd Sanders is a card game. Two to four players plays in 15 to 20 minutes. Now, the easiest way for me to explain this and the toning mechanism of explaining it, if you have played... Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, I know. I'll re-explain it in a second. Go ahead. And you do that often. All the freaking... I'm, I've, <laughs> I've almost decided that it's worth me just not even trying. But in the toning way of explaining <laughs> games, it is a very game... It's a very game. Excellent. It, it's a very game. It's a I agree. very game. It's a game similar to Between Two Cities, in my mind, of, of how it's done. Because basically what you've got is, you've got these gods that you are sharing between, uh, that are between you and whoever you are playing against. Now, there's two ways to play this game. One, you play as an individual, or you can play in partners if you have four people. But we're going to concentrate on playing as an individual. Anyway, you set this thing up so that there's a god to your left and a god to your right, and, and go around the table. Everybody has that. The way you win, and this is the most complex thing about this game, Marty, is that if your god does not have the most glory out of the two gods that you share, you're the winner. Did I get it almost right? What happens is, like you said, there's a god to the left, god to the right with every player. Each of those gods is made, it makes up a pair, correct? So if you were to my left, the god card to your right and the god card to my left would be a pair, right? Mm -hmm. If there were three people playing, there are three pairs. At the very end of the game, you're going to count up these tokens that are put on the two gods over the course of the game. One is glory, which gives you plus two points. One is infamy, which gives you minus points. The pair of gods that has the most points is considered the dominant pair. So if you and I had the dominant pair, uh, you would have one of those gods, I would have the other. Between the two of us, whichever god had the least amount of points on that card is the winner. So you got to have the dominant pair, but your god has yep. to have the least amount of glory. Th that is the push and pull of this game, because over the course of the game, you're going to have three cards in your hands, and most of these cards will add glory 
or add infamy or move those tokens around on other people's cards. Right. So you're going to start with three cards. Each of you plays a card. Now, Tony, I like this next part. You pass a card to the player to your left. Mm -hmm. So you know exactly what you're going to be giving them. And then you take all the discarded cards. I think this is neat, neat too. You shuffle them all back together. And then everybody draws another card. Right. This play continues until one of the pools of tokens, the glory or the infamy, is gone. And then that triggers the end of the game. And then you count the points, like I said. Tony, in the game I played, this was really wild because it's like, I want to make sure that one of my gods is part of the dominant pair, but I don't want it to have the most tokens on it. Right. Now, one thing you didn't mention now. The gods have powers themselves, and they cause reactions. And if you activate it, then you get negative on glory of the minus one point, as you said. So you got to weigh that. When do you want to use the god power as well? Mm -hmm. Because it pays to use the god power. Sometimes in games, you don't think that. But this game is a good brain burner. I like it. Like it, Marty. I I do too. And you didn't mention that there's a lot of gods in the box. So each game is going to be different. So uh, there, it, you could have uh, different types of gods on the table, and the rest of them that aren't used go back in the box. And like you said, each god has a different ability. Like one is just cancel an action. Mm-hmm. One is it's like, I'm going to flip this over. I'm going to cancel that card action. One is instead of passing a card that I just played, I get to keep it. And uh, like you said, if you use a god power, it gives you minus one. But sometimes you actually want that because, again, you want the lowest. And the cards that are played, most of them don't affect you. You're affecting others. Right. It is a abstract brain burner game that you really got to play multiple times in order to get the gist of it. Right. And let me speak to real quick. Not a lot of reading here. Once you know the icons, and and it's really easy icons to understand. Once you know that, this game will move very quickly. I mean, 15, 20 minutes, easily, easily can do that. The card, the the stock on the cards, uh, very nice. Very, very nice cards. Very nice. Big, thick cardboard for the gods. It didn't have to be that. I mean, this is one of those games that, in my opinion, is going to remain at my house and not on your shelves. Yeah, unfortunately, I hate that because I like good brain burner games. And one that only plays in 15 minutes, yeah. Yeah, this is interesting. Like thematically, it's like uh, it's very light on theme, right? There's a kind of a theme there, but really, it's mainly an abstract game of moving tokens around a board in order to meet that goal of having the most powerful pair, but having the least amount of points on that pair. Thumbs up from this guy. Five minute initiative is complete. Tony, it has been quite a while since we've had Chaz Marler of Paradise Paradise on this show in like kind of like his own segment. I, I know. I mean, he was here for episode 100, one of the best episodes ever produced by Rolling Dyson, taking aim where Chaz was a member of the Match Game Celebrity Panel. That was an incredible one. Well, yeah, sure it was. But see, we've also had him on just, you know, by himself. And and since then, you and I decided, well, maybe it's best if we like change our email and we change our contact information. But Chaz managed to track us down somehow. And he said, hey, guys, I haven't been on in a while. And it's like, well, well, Chaz, you know, it, you know, stuff pops up and but he's like but i've got a great idea and tony i think he has a pretty good idea i do too i mean i like how he dovetailed it into our squirrel theme that runs throughout this show and and calling it what bushy tails what what's he wants to call this yeah that would have worked but i think he's actually calling it 
fuzzy tales with tales being t-a-l-e-s and what Chaz is going to do is he's going to bring us a news item an anecdote uh, some sort of story some salt some sort of theory or musing that he has present it to us and then we're going to have a discussion about it and you know and we're talking about him like he's not here yet but he's right here Chaz welcome to the show hey guys thank you so much for inviting me back man you guys you guys can be tricky to, to track down I mean you, you guys guys are harder to get a hold of sometimes than, you know, like than my relatives at a family reunion. Um, but I found you. I found you and I'm, I'm back. And it's it's nice, too, because really, honestly, talking to you guys is is so fun. No matter how long it's been since we last talked, it always feels like it's only been like, I don't know, like an hour since we last spoke. I know. It's amazing how that works. <laughs> it's, it's like deja vu. Anytime we talk, it's like uh, it, it comes right back and thus, but it's fuzzy to us. So you, your name could not be more appropriate. <laughs> yeah, at our age, everything is getting kind of fuzzy to us for us. So yes, like we said, Chaz, you are bringing some sort of topic for us to discuss tonight. What are you bringing us in this first installment of Fuzzy Tales? <sighs> well, um, here, here's here's what I got. And uh, before, before I start into it, I, I gotta I gotta admit, I, I'm actually a little bit trepidatious to to, to present this topic to you. Wait, 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 hold on. If you're gonna start bringing in big words, then we're gonna have to bring out the dictionary. Uh, Tony, could you please, while uh, look up tryptophan? Was it tryptophan? Trepidatious. Hold on, I got it right here. The feeling I'm feeling I'm feeling right now. Oh, is it? Well, I got the. Dictionary right there. Before. Yeah, we, we, we actually use real books here on Rolling Dice and Take a Name. We don't rely on like the Google. We, we, we have, you know, trusted sources here. I've got my world encyclopedias behind me. Tony has his dictionary. So we'll look up Tenerinaceous. Okay. So, so you guys, you guys are prepared. You're ready. And that's important. That's good because unfortunately, the topic I'm going to present to you today is not all rainbows and kitten kisses. Don't bring the room down, Chaz. Well, I'll try not to, but I got to say that I recently discovered that one of us, one of the three of us sitting around this very microphone today harbors murderous intent. Please be Tony. <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking metaphorically, of course, you know, about attempted murder of a board game. But um, st stick, stick with me. I'm going somewhere with this. You see, I recently found myself playing a really swingy dice game against Mr. Connell. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that Mr. Connell seated right over there. By the way, this is this is um, audio. They they really can't see me sitting over here. I know I know you do this YouTube thing, but sorry, so go ahead. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, what's all what's important is that we're painting the picture in our collective mind's eye. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So there we were playing this dice game. Roll after roll, as the dice game wore on, we were more and more at the mercy of these blasted dice. And as I grew more and more frustrated from a string, just this long string of unfortunate rolls, Marty leans across the table and says, and I quote, Why, I think that the more a game's outcome is dependent on dice rolls, i.e. the luck factor, the more exciting or tense the gameplay is. That's your best Southern accent? That sounds like totally British. And so I give you Exhibit A, Marty's statement, which which was so deviously subtle in its 
dangerous wrongness that an unsuspecting player may not even realize that it is, in actuality, a way to assassinate a game. Totally just murdering the game's fun and leaving its players to sit in a disappointed haze afterwards, wondering if it isn't too late to give up board games and take up a completely different hobby, like like competitive paper airplane throwing down at the local community center, which, which actually is a lot harder than it looks. It really is. Now, I have been part of that type of competition. You have to understand mm-hmm. Bernelli's principle, where you have to have speed mm-hmm. yes. over one wing is faster mm-hmm. than what's going on. You cannot just crease the wings of an airplane. You have to allow for that. Anyway. Um, Seriously, where did the British accent come from? Uh, The point is, gentlemen, sure, injecting some level of randomness into a game, you know, like with the introduction of dice rolls, yeah, that can increase its tension and build excitement. But it's dangerous. A game designer has to be able to find a balance and an equilibrium between allowing a player to execute their strategic plan and respond to luck that's introduced during the game. A game that depends too much on randomness, okay, that game's going to push the player over that tipping point from building tension and excitement into just frustration, where they just don't care anymore. And that moment is going to just obliterate their excitement. And and once a game's fun factor is lost, lost like so many paper airplanes accidentally thrown onto the community center's roof, so goes the desire to ever play that game again. Uh, Simply put, allowing a game to delve into disinterest in this way is a surefire way to murder it. I mean, typically when somebody tries to imitate me, they go like real heck like, hey, this is Marty from Rolling Dice and Taking Names. So I don't know how in the world you get from there to a British accent. In closing, I propose a group intervention with the defendant, Mr. Connell, to show him the error of his fiendish ways and guide him to the one and only man who can rescue him from himself himself. I rest my case. I'm sorry. I was I was trying to figure out your accent again. Could you could you say that one more time? Gentlemen, thank you for inviting me to join you on this episode. <laughs> All right. So, Chaz, I assume that when you referenced the game that we had played, I believe it was our game, online game of Star Wars Destiny, correct? Yeah, it was. I I, I don't want to come out as a bully against Star Wars Destiny, but in this case, yeah, that that's that's which game it was. So I think you and I were playing online on, on Skype, and I think we're running to a situation where it was like you were coming in, we're trying to play this very strategic game, but this game has dice in it, and there are blanks on some sides of this dice, and I think you were kind of frustrated that they just kept coming up blanks. And it wasn't just me, to be honest. I mean, I remember playing and you had like, you know, th- there's a one in six chance on most dice that they're going to come up blank. So I have no action available for the player when they roll that dice. And I remember you rolled like blanks three turns in a row. And then a little later on, I rolled blanks like three turns in a row. And, and you know, it, it comes with the territory at some level. But in retrospect, 
that very thing with those blanks coming up is one of the direct reasons why Star Wars Destiny has bombed with 100% of the people that I have introduced it to. Do these people typically don't like dice games or games with luck in it? Well, it it varies. The main one actually is my wife, who's actually one of my primary gaming partners. And I thought it was really interesting because, see, we are different. She is much more strategic. Um, I I really like a level of controlled chaos in my game. So that's one thing I want to clarify too. I like random. I like chaos. I like dice, you know, and my wife is much more strategic. She likes that those type of games a lot more. She, however, though, really enjoys Ashes and we'll play Ashes together. And Ashes, of course, has lots of dice rolling um, and ways to change the, the dice that come up. But there was something about the way the dice rolling was handled in Destiny just did not mesh. And it was just like after she played that a couple of games of it. She's like, nope, I'm, I'm done. I, I have no desire at all to play this game because she had the same thing happen with like three uh, blank dice rolls right in a row. All right. So you know what that sounds like to me? Sounds like a poor deck design if you ask me, but that's just me. Oh! That's just me coming through here. Oh, and by the way, Marty, apprehension, trepidation, apprehension. Just want to fill you in there. What's that? What's apprehension mean? Oh crap. Back to the dictionary. Well, while you're looking that up, I have to say I disagree with you almost as much as I disagree with Marty. I just want to say that typically when a guest comes on a show, they usually don't like, you know, try to start pick fights with the host. I'm sorry. (laughs) But uh, because I don't think deck construction in and of itself has anything really to do with the luck factor of the dice rolls. There are some cards in Destiny, and and we'll move away from Destiny in a second, but I think that's where this came from. I know there's some uh, cards in there that says, hey, if you guys some blanks uh actually good things happen for you if you happen to use that particular card but i do see what you're saying because i did i did get frustrated and and uh there were a few times where there's a mechanic in the game where i can discard a card and re-roll as many dice as you want well it so happened that i re-rolled the dice and they were still poop i discarded (laughs) a card and rolled they were poop they came up poop side again but and you had mentioned ashes. Ashes has a different mechanic because when you discard a card, I can just put a die on any side at want, and that totally takes away the luck factor of me spending a card to try to get what I want. Let me break it down for you boys here. If you're playing a dice game, you better expect poop. That's the whole nature of a dice game. You're going to get randomness. You are going to be living with the tension of the dice roll. You cannot. The designers know this. So they're asking you to live on the edge, to come to the very edge, the very brink of falling off and falling, on, falling off the edge of the world. I don't understand this metaphor here at all. You don't. Because you know why? Because if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up space. You are you are taking away our ability to play good games with dice because you're sitting there, oh my God, I can't roll dice game. Let me give you a British accent. Anyway, <laughs> my heavens, this that is a, horrible. I know it was, but that's beside the point. We've got dice games such as Destiny that that's part of it. That's the fun of the game. And to sit here and say, I don't like this game because it involves dice, to me, kind of takes, you know, well, fine, go play your Euro gamies. And I love all games. Oh, uh, there's one brand I totally dislike. We all know what that is. Well, if if I may, um, at the risk of being Vanco Kandarian, what? Let oh, me, wait, 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 what? 
Do we, Tony looked that at Vanko Kadarian? Don't don't worry because it's a word I just made up. But at the risk of of being Vanko Kadarian here, I just want to say I don't think it's the dice in and of itself. I want I want to clarify that you can have a dice game and, and where the rolling and the randomness fits the game very well. I think the potential for m- murdering a game is more in the balance between the strategic options and the luck. And that, you know, that can that can be affected by the length of the game, you know, and, and you know, a shorter game seems to be uh, a lot more open to more luck being involved. And I don't think that um that's the necessarily the thing. <laughs> Tony, okay, did you write that down? That is not necessarily the thing. So, so what are you saying? That, you know, it's like if a game is shorter and it has dice, is more palatable than a long game with dice? Such as, oh, I don't know, Arkham Horror, Eldritch Horror, or any of those horrors? Mansions of Madness, which really doesn't have dice because it has an app. No, 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 no. Mansions of Madness really has dice. Yes, it does. I'm sorry. I was thinking about something else. Yeah. But anyway, are you saying that? I don't understand. So are you two, are you two saying that, you know, if, if there's no way to mitigate dice, that it is pretty much a turnoff to you? So that's a good question, Chaz. I mean, it, what about longer games that really does rely on a lot of dice such as those? Well, let's take Spectre Ops, for example. Here's a game that's not a short game. And this is a game where one player is playing a secret agent, you know, sneaking into a compound. It's a hidden movement type game. And all the other players are employees of this evil corporation trying to locate and kill the secret agent. Every action taken by the player is part of their strategy. It's the result of the game, for the most part, is based on how well the players execute the plan that they formulate. However, the secret agent has hit points and the evil corporate employees can actually, you know, be shooting, taking shots at the, at the agent. And I have seen games that after an hour, hour and a half of playing, it comes down to the secret agent two spaces away from the exit to win the game with one hit point left. And it comes down to that final roll of the evil corporate employees and everyone's standing around the table and they know there's a 50-50 shot that when this dice roll lands, that either the agent is going to get killed and the evil corporation is going to win or the agent's going to be, have a, the agent's going to be missed and get away and the agent's going to win. And I think that the difference there is that the even though it's coming down to a dice roll and luck, it's because of the way that the players executed their strategic plans and they got themselves into that situation. It wasn't that the situation was thrust onto them necessarily. You all played Dead of Winter. Mm-hmm. Dead of Winter is a co-op game. Dead of Winter has some uh, dice mechanics in it. But the, the main one is being there is a, an exposure die that's in there. That is a D12, the best of all uh, types of dice. Team D12. And on one of those side is a bite icon where if you roll that uh, when you are moving from location to location, you have to roll the exposure die, you will die. Now, you can mitigate that by not having to roll the dice at all by having fuel play a fuel card you can move without having to uh, roll that exposure die but if you have to roll it and i've been in a situation in a game where it's like okay if this person can get to this location i think we can win you pick up the die 
And when I talked about tension, the tension is when the dice is in your hand. Because everybody sitting around the table knows once that dice is rolled, it's going to be excitement or frustration. So the tension is when the dice is rumbling around in your hand and once you throw it on the table and you resolve it, if it's the bite, frustration. Wow, we just spent a few hours playing and we didn't win. Or jubilation because, hey, we made it and we won the game. Is that the same sort of thing or did the excitement, the tension from that, even though you might have lost, still gave you a great experience that you want to play again? I've been in that same situation where it comes down to that die roll and the player got bit and died and we all lost the game. And yeah, there was a lot of excitement and a lot of tension in that. However, I I will add that that game group that played that game has never got it to the table since then. They've, they've just never had the desire to get back into that situation. Well, you need to tell that namby-pamby gang group of yours that they need to buck up, put on their big britches, and get back into the game. There's no sense in a single one dice roll of just because you spend an hour, hour and a half playing a game would ruin it for you. That just doesn't make sense to the logical mind in which I have, which is an argument in <laughs> itself, too. So beside the point, Chaz, I mean, oh, I have heard this from Marty time and time again about bad dice rolls and this and this and the whining of other people. And I'm just like, good gosh, buck up. It's part of the You open a game and there's dice in it. There's going to be randomness. That's why Lonnie's creations bring that tension to you. You know, you can come to expect it. And therefore, that to me is like Marty says, it's in your hand shaking. No, the tension for me is watching them roll across the table. And that's where the tension is. Good or bad, it doesn't matter. The tension is not going to change on the outcome. The tension is the final result. That is where the dice game elevate a game with tension. Well, they add a tension element to it. They elevate it. Okay, they elevate it. Do you not feel, Tony, that games that are more strategy-based should probably have less of an effect by a bad dice roll? No, I don't. Then I'm, I'm going to disagree there because if I'm playing, if I'm walking into a game and I think I see Chaz's point with Destiny because I've seen the frustration. Destiny is a competitive game. People going out, playing in tournaments, people trying to win money, mm-hmm. paying money to play. You can have a bad dice roll, potentially cost you the game. The game already has randomness in it with the with the deck draw. I do want less luck in a game. As I pull out my Roger Thesaurus here, or Rogettes, as I used to call it in school, I look up a synonym for board game. It's a competitive game between people. All board games are that way. No, it's not. There's co-op games. You're competing against the board. How is that not competitive? Uh, okay, I, I'll give you that. Okay, I win. Me, I, I'm done. I won. <laughs> I am more accepting of a bad role in a co-op game because it affected us all. I can handle that better than I can in a competitive game because I would feel like I'm going up against this person. I felt like I've done well. And, oh, well, the dice dice kind of messed me up. As opposed to, oh, I rolled the exposure die. I died. We all died together. Well, that was a kind of a good experience. But that's why probably the best experiences I've had that I talk about with other people is typically going to be a co-op thematic game, mm-hmm. even if we lost. Okay. Even what about, you know, I've played you against Netrunner multiple times, and we've had bad draws. A bad draw. I don't know. I can handle a, a bad draw easier than I can handle a bad dice roll. Okay. I don't know why. Even Arkham Horror LCG, 
you're dipping your hand into a bag and pulling out a token. I feel like I still have some control over that because my hands all all over those tokens and those bags. No, one of these is going to be good. Some of these going to be bad. And I pull it out and there it is. Well, what about you, Chaz? Which can you handle better? Bad card draws or bad dice rolls? No, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I wasn't the one talking, so I wasn't really paying attention to what was going on. Um, <laughs> I th- I think uh, I I still think I don't have a preference because um, d- bad dice rolls yeah those those can be really frustrating but man getting mana screwed in magic um, that is super frustrating and that is like the worst. Can, can you explain what mana screwed is for people that haven't played? That's when you take four hours to painstakingly create a deck in magic and then you sit down to play in a competitive environment and you draw no land for your first 25 draws 25 that's not even the deck's only 60 cards big i digress um <laughs> we're okay so yeah so so basically drawing either all land or no land in magic is often called be, referred to as being mana screwed that that's really frustrating as as well, but I still think that it's it's not necessarily the mechanism or the format in which the randomness is being introduced. It's when the randomness makes there's so much randomness, and the way it's presented makes the player hit that tipping point where they start to feel like it's futile to even try and they just abandon hope and they hit that brick wall of frustration and they unplug from the game and they say, I'm done with this. When the randomness allows that to happen, that is when the game is in in danger of just never coming off the shelf again. Are there particular games that are more like that? And are there games that you can think of? It's like, you you mentioned Specter Ops, but there are other games where you feel like that doesn't happen, even though it may have dice in it. You guys mentioned co-op games, and I've actually seen that happen as, as well. I really, actually, really like Level Seven Invasion, which is uh, a world map with aliens coming and attacking, and uh, all the players are working together as different continents of the world, fighting off this alien invasion, trying to protect like this one master alien who knows how to defeat everything. And that game is very punishing. I, I I enjoy it, but I've had a couple of different, actually different game groups I've introduced it to actually say that game penalized them so badly they felt demoralized after they played and they never want to play it again. And that was a co-op. I've got one of those XCOM. That was my next example. Exactly. XCOM is a, the same two game groups again. Yeah. Uh, tell me what it is with your experience that's made that happen. Uh, w- with XCOM, I've got... Uh, my member of my family, Travis, will never ever play that game again. It, between the game beating him down and some bad dice rolls that happened multiple times, he said, "I'm done." He says, "I feel like I'm playing two things. It's like the game is just brutal in itself, and then when you try to handle that, then you roll dice that just are as also as brutal that I can't modify or change or mitigate. It, it just beat him to the point. Says, "I will never ever play that game again." There you go. And what I say to that is, <laughs> come on. 
<laughs> Once again, big boy britches. Uh, no, I, the, and there's, tr- there's there's a good point that you're absolutely right, Tony. Maybe I'm a little bit more fragile around dice. You love Robinson Crusoe, which is also a, a, a brutal game. Yeah, and my wife hated it, made me trade it away, which thus then I now have it getting it back. And it led to a shiny day at the beach or a wonderful, warm, warm, beautiful day at the beach. All in all. But yes, I did not mind that. I did not mind the weather beating me down constantly. hampering. But you're right. She hated that. She could not stand it. There was, she never felt hope. And maybe that's a reflection of um, just that I enjoy the fact that when I do win, I am able to beat fate. I'm able to take it and slap it in the face and say, get the freak out of here. I want the same thing happens with destiny. I felt like I was going to lose. And then suddenly the dice turned in my favor and I completely decimated my foe. Okay, I didn't decimate my foe, but I won. And that, yes, that made me feel good. Did it make me feel sorry for the other person? Yeah, I felt sorry for them for a few minutes. <laughs> well, that that sounds like a, a, a good uh, final thought there, Chaz. You got any closing thoughts on the matter? I, I guess just to expand a little bit on on what tony said there uh going wrapping it up pulling it back up to star wars destiny at the end uh because going back to our game that i described how you had three blank roll turns in a row and then i had three blank roll turns in a row you know we actually were feeling we were feeling sorry for each other uh in that way And, and it actually reduced the amount of fun we were having watching our opponent get frustrated. So I'm wondering if it's also a thing that can, it's a door that can swing both ways in that if you, if your opponent is the victim of bad luck to the point where they get frustrated and just unplugged and you win, you know, could it kill the game for you as well because you have such a hollow victory? So is that also an aspect of this to watch out for? Yeah, that, that's a very good point. And for me, I've said it on this show many times before, when it comes to dice game, I really want some sort of mechanism to mitigate bad dice rolls. I'm not saying, oh, I, if I roll a bad dice, I get just get to make it whatever I want. There's got to be a cost associated with it. I, I mentioned in Ashes, the cost is you're taking a turn to discard a card to do it. Destiny has the same thing. It's it's the exact same cost. It's just that you could be treated with the exact same role and basically it benefits you no way at all. Exactly. You sit there and completely spin your tires, losing all of the resources you have available to yourself. Well, 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 let let me just quote a great philosopher before we get out of here, because I understand what y'all are saying about feeling sorry for others. But a great philosopher once said, what is best in life? It is to crush your enemies see them driven before you and hear the lamentations of their women. That is good. Is that Conan? That was the theme of my high school prom. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is Conan. Okay. Uh, So, hey, I picked that up. Sweet. All right. So for all the listeners that are listening, tell us what you think. How much luck do you like in your dice games? Do you like something that uh, is more strategical where you have a total control of the outcome where the tension is less about uh, just a chance? Or do you like a game that typically what Ameritrash is, it's more thematic. There's more luck involved in the game, but it also creates these experiences that you'll remember because of the tension of having those dice in your hand as you're getting ready to roll and hoping and praying that it comes up the way you want. 
Let us know what you think in our uh, guild at 1589 on our Facebook page. Uh, We'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. And Chaz, before we let you go from this first segment of Fuzzy Tales, you have got a wonderful announcement that you would love for you to share with our audience. So, as many of your listeners already are aware, uh, one of Rolling Dice and Taking Names' sponsors is Fun Again Games. And Fun Again Games actually is my FLGS. They're my friendly local game store. So um, we recently at a local convention had the opportunity to speak to each other. And Fun Again agreed to also uh, become a sponsor of Pair of Dice Paradise. Which is great. Yeah, they're, they're helping uh, the Pair of Dice Paradise channel uh, get board games to talk about over there. So that's awesome. Hey, Chaz, can you drive down there and ask Nick when he's getting the next um, installment of Star Wars Destiny or the um, boosters for the next series in? They're already out there and I've already pre-ordered. Okay. Oh, sorry, Chaz. We, we were – anyway. <laughs> not, not that we want to play that game anymore because it's too luck-based. <laughs> I was thinking, what? <laughs> but – there's more because in addition to becoming a sponsor, uh, Fun Again then came to me and said, yeah, you know what? Let's do something special to welcome you on board. Let's do a contest with Pair of Dice Paradise and let's give away a gift certificate to a winner um, to Fun Again Games. And I was like, great. You know, I'm, I'm thinking 25, maybe a $50 gift certificate. And then Fun Again tells me, let's give away a $250 gift certificate. Holy cow. $250? That is a lot of Destiny boosters. <laughs> Total Vanco Kandarian right there. Okay. So, so I wanted to do something special. And, and, and so what I'm going to be doing is if you go over to pairofdiceparadise.com slash contest, you will find a survey to fill out. We're doing, make this simple and straightforward. You'll find a survey to fill out about the show. And all you got to do is fill out that survey and submit it. And you'll be entered into a drawing, which is going to take place after March 31st, 2017. And there are some basic questions and there's even some extra like things you can do, like liking our Facebook page and following us on Twitter, that'll get you extra entries in the contest. And since this is such a special thing from Fun Again, and Fun Again is also a sponsor of Rolling Dice Taking Names, I wanted to make it a little more special, and I uh, asked Fun Again if we could open the contest up to uh, Rolling Dice and Taking Names listeners, and they were like all over it. They're like, yeah, do that. So this contest is open to all the Rolling Dice and Taking Names listeners as well. So wait a minute. If this hadn't happened, people who listen to us can't enter your contest? What kind of... Joke is this? <laughs> well, now that you say it out loud, it doesn't sound. <laughs> but that doesn't matter because that's, that's not the way things went. So we don't really have to worry about that, do we, gentlemen? <laughs> so either way, so so let me summarize while you gather your thoughts, Chaz. So guys, if you've listened to Chaz here with Fuzzy Tales, a brand new segment here on Rolling Dice and Taking Names, and to also celebrate his sponsor, not his sponsorship, but the sponsorship of his Paradise Paradise Fun Again is offering you $250 gift card to their site. We're talking Destiny Boosters. We're talking Passport Games. We're talking about a whole bunch of good stuff you can pick up there and just go over to the Paradise Paradise website, as Shaz has mentioned on our show previously, not one of the brightest things to do for naming a website where you can 
spell them backwards and forwards and screw it up. But Chaz will give you more information now that he has gathered his thoughts. Yes. And just to be clear, the website is P-A-A. And just to be clear, <laughs> clear is it clear now? Are we, are we clear? P-A-I-R-O-F-D-I-C-E. P-A-R-A-D-I-S-E dot com. Pair of dice, paradise.com slash contest. This, by the time this episode airs, the contest survey will be up on that page and uh, it's going to run through October 31st. October 31st. <laughs> My God, this thing will last forever. <laughs> oh, Jesus. March 31st. March. March 31st, 2017. <laughs> It's like hey, a rolling dice and taking name contest where we make it last for 10 months or something, like, a, like the movie selection. So, Chaz, oh, we appreciate you I'm finding crying. us and coming back on oh, the show. My gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. And our listeners, thank you so much for actually allowing them to go to your contest page and enter. Oh, man. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, uh, well, thank, let me try and salvage this just by saying once again, oh, no, thanks we for salvage. It's good. Don't even go there. <laughs> oh. All right. Chaz, thank you so much for coming on. We are looking forward to doing this. We had talked to Chaz about doing this as some sort of recurring segment uh, every uh, you know six to eight weeks, something like that. He's going to bring something new, something exciting. We can't guarantee a $250 Fun Again contest every time he comes on, even though I'm sure he would love to. But yet, let us know the feedback on our uh, uh, Guild page and on Facebook or what you think of this, uh, this, this, this new segment of ours. And remember, go out to uh, his website, uh, join the contest, follow him on Twitter at Paradise Paradise, and go like his Facebook page. And Chaz, yes, sir. we'll see you again soon. Thank you very much. I look forward to it. As Tony mentioned earlier, Aztecs for Imperial Settlers is getting ready to come out. And Tony, finally, Robinson Crusoe is going to be back in stores in April because that game was a lot more popular than what Ignacy thought it was going to be, which is great for him. It sold out everywhere. Couldn't imagine that. So they finally found the cargo ship on the freaking desert island and bring him home. <laughs> That, that's right. So uh, you got to go check that out. They'll be out in the store soon. And also, Ignacy has started a whole new video series on his YouTube channel called Portal Games Informant, which is kind of a behind-the-scenes look at what goes on at Portal, some of the design process they go through, some of the trips that he takes. He has a couple out there right now. One is when Eric Lang visits uh, the Portal offices, and it, and it has those two playing games and talking with each other. He also has one where he visited Cannes and talks about his trip to that. So you need to go check that on his YouTube channel. And if you're interested in Aztecs or Robinson Crusoe, go check it out at portalgames.pl. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. We had mentioned Kickstarters earlier, and there was one that I just got recently that I had back last year, and that is Roman Bones. Second Tide from Cool Meteor Knot and designer Michael Chanel. Now, we got a copy 
a review copy of the very first edition of this game. And I enjoyed it so much because it's a game that tries to mimic a video game style game called a MOBA or multiplayer online battle arena. Me and my kids really enjoyed this game to the point where they released the second edition. It's like, I got to kickstart it because like I said earlier, if you want a kick, if you want a version of a Simon game, you want the Kickstarter version with all the extra goodies. Tony, you got to come over and play this game with me, but it looks really good on the table. Yes, it does. It looks really good on the table. And I was a little concerned when I first saw it that it would be kind of hard to understand but let's get to the chase how do you win victory points yay <laughs> that's right uh at the beginning of the game you're going to pick uh three heroes to be on your team and it's from a multiple choice of different types of heroes with different types of abilities and you also have crew the crew is the interesting moba mechanic tony because what happens is each round crew members deckhands and bosuns are going to spawn and they're going to automatically follow a path on these ships that are in the sea uh, in the particular configuration that we played, you had a ship on either side of my boat with a, a gangplank joining them together. Your guys spawn, try to walk across the gangplank and kill my guys. My guys spawn, try to walk across the plank and kill yours. They automatically move. They automatically attack. On your turn, Tony, what do you do? On your turn, you activate a hero. Then it's your turn. You activate a hero. So here's where the strategy really kicks in. How do you want to activate? Because these heroes can level up during the game because you're winning gold and you're getting victory points by either killing heroes or by destroying parts of their ship. Also, certain parts of the ship get to expand people up or level up the deckhand stuff like the deck gun. Boom, boom, boom. But anyway, that's it. Activating. It's your turn, my turn, your turn. There's your strategy. Which one do I want to activate? How do I want to go? Where do I want to move? Because if it didn't have that mechanic in there, Marty, I'm sorry. I would have been asleep. Well, if it didn't have the mechanic, you wouldn't be doing anything. Yeah, but if it had been all your turn and then my turn and activated all my oh. heroes, if it didn't have the back and forth, yeah, I would have. There's the strategy. There's where the game, thank goodness, has its saving graces for me. Yeah, when you activate a hero, you got three actions. You can either move or attack. Uh, it's uh, the, all the. It's a grid-based game. When you move, you can move up two spaces. And if you are adjacent to somebody, then then you can attack them. Attack them is pretty simple. You got a basic attack. You roll some dice, and if it matches the number on the attack that you need to get uh, greater than, you'll do damage. And then you'll kill off deckhands and bosuns and heroes to get those victory points. And finally, the actual objects on the ship, which give you even greater victory points. So yes, the way that you activate is important. The crew activation is kind of cool though, right? Because that's where you spawn the guys. Mm -hmm. And they automatically move, and you also get to fire that duck gun, which is kind of neat. Well, another part of the strategy is that when you move your hero onto someone else's ship, you got to be careful because if you're next to the spawn point and those things spawn and then move and you're not in the right position, they're going to attack you automatically. So you got to be very careful with that. Now, another saving grace is, and thank goodness you had this happen because this was the only tension in the game we played, was the Kraken. Oh, yeah, this is really cool. Each of us has certain decks that go with our particular faction, decks of cards. And during the course of the game that you can play these cards as free actions and they can do things like boost or, or you can do combos and, and whatnot. But however, some of these cards cause the Kraken uh, meter to go up. And at the end of the round, you roll two dice. And if the sum of the dice is ever less than the total on the Kraken meter, he appears and starts attacking the ship. And you rolled snake eyes. That was hilarious. <laughs> we had the Kraken out the entire game. But that's what made this game a lot more fun for me. Because I'm serious. If it had not been out, I would have just basically been, you know, chucking dice. I, I hate to yeah. say it. It's a good game. Don't get me wrong, people. It's a good, fun game game 
That's all it is. But don't think you've got a lot of heavy blood rage strategy going on here. You don't. You're just basically, you're chucking die, trying to kill each other and get to the most victory points. That's it for me. It, it is it is really straightforward. And this game is way better than the first edition because the first edition, you paid gold to activate abilities. Here you pay gold to get abilities. Then they're free to use after that. And they also be leveled up. So between the cards and the different heroes, there is some strategy to this game. I will get rid of the first edition, keep the second edition. My kids love it. It's going to stay on my shelf. It looks gorgeous. It's just a fun little nice dice chucker with a really good theme. Five minute initiative is complete. So I can't help it. I love my polls. I love putting them out there. And guess what, Marty? We are going to do another poll. And an impor- more important than cake, another poll. I'm interested. Let me know. What is We're it? We're going to have to list all the games that we need to review in the coming year. And what we'd like to do is see which ones our listeners think we should do next or in the upcoming months, because that helps us decide which one I have to make time to play. If I need to do about 10 hours, that's fine. We can do that. But either way, we've got a poll that's going to be coming out for what game we need to play next. Do you you think anybody will submit anything? It's not cake. I seriously hope so, because I've seen our backlog and there are a lot of games there. So I would love for people to basically choose their top games that we'd be interested in. Tony, where is this poll going to be? Well, where else will it be found other than not on the BGG Guild? <laughs> it will be on our website, which will take you to a form. And we just want you to fill it out. There'll be some drop downs or a ranking. I haven't really flushed it out yet. Flushed it? No, flush, flushed. It flushed it out. I think people may want to flush it, but you got to flush I it. I got to flush it out. But I think what I'll do is we'll have the radial button going down there so that people can rank them one, you know, one through. And don't, that used to drive me insane at work. Everything's a priority. Priority one, 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 one. Then you went one A, one Okay, well, why don't you make it easy? Why don't you just let them pick multiple games and then we'll just see what rises to the top and so, as, as opposed to ranking them? Because then we got to do math and all this and I'm, I just don't feel like doing that. Done. All right, I can do that. We'll make that happen <laughs> and they can find it on our webpage, rollingdiceandtakingnames.com. Which is not anywhere close to what it is. It's rolldicetakenames.com because we thought the full name was too long. Really? No wonder I'm getting that wrong site when I do a search. I don't know what site you're going to, but it's not ours. But anyway, guys, it will be over there. And we'll have links in the Facebook, of course, as well as over at the Guild and things like that. But anyway, we would really appreciate it if you could fill that out for us. And then that will help us get certain games to the table. All I have left to say is keep rolling dice and taking... We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Tony. We have just gotten some important news that came across our desk. Okay. I mean, it's not really our desk, but how about how about our computer screen? Portal Games has just announced one of the games that they're going to be releasing in 2018. Tony, this is pretty big. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is like real time. It's not like we've been recording over a couple of weeks or anything. This is bam, right now. Check that out. Marty, what news are they sharing? Are they talking about another Robinson expansion? Or are they telling us how First Martian is going to have its multiple expansions? 
What does Ignazi have up his sleeve? This is a brand new game altogether, but it is a co-op game like those two. The name of this game is called Detective, a modern crime board game. This is a story-driven cooperative game that plays one to four players, and there's going to be five scenarios that are included in the box. You can play them independently, or you can play them together through a complete campaign. You know what makes this a little bit different than, say, those other games that he has out there like Robinson and First? Uh, you could win it? <laughs> I'm just guessing. I mean, you know, most of the time... you <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually pretty good. Thank you. What he is doing is introducing kind of an alternate reality type gaming system where the puzzles and the clues that you're going to be trying to solve in the course of the game doesn't it necessarily exist on the game board itself or in the rules or in the book that comes with it? All right. So let me understand this. I'm going to be playing a game where I get to go do a lot more work on like researching stuff. Like, like let's say I'm pretending to be the computer person back. I know you don't watch old people shows, but kind of like the computer people on NCIS or Criminal Minds where they're sitting in their little computer area and I got to get on the internet and find this as long as the clues are, some of the clues are got to be at least getting you started, right? Well, yeah. So the idea is, like I said, the clues aren't necessarily in the board game. They could be online. They are creating a brand new website called the Antares. This is a government agency that you as the investigator are working for. You're going to log into this website, which contains data about suspects, witnesses, and documentation from arrests and trials related to uh, cases. And then you're going to use that database in order to do some classic puzzle-solving gameplay. Okay, so basically what Ignacy has done with First Martian, he must have really liked this whole tablet experience he got, and he's coming out with a game where you're he, he's embracing it. He's we knew this was coming, Marty. We said that pe- that the publishers and designers are going to start rap putting this stuff more and more. I mean, Mansions of Madness. You know, you got that happening. He's got First Martian. He's got that going. So Ignacy's really going back to his roots. He loves storytelling. Yeah, he does, and he's trying to create an interactive story where instead of playing as the investigator. You are the one actually investigating the crime through real-world sources. There's a quote in the press release that says, The fourth wall is a well-known concept in theater. With Detective, we are breaking this fourth wall. We offer an immersive experience like no other. Players are not playing a character who investigates crimes. The players are actually investigating the crime. Players have all modern tools available. They're able to search Wikipedia to confirm information or check the history of, say, for example, World War II to verify a witness statement. At Portal Games, we design games that tell stories, and this time, once again, we have an extraordinary story to tell. I'm just going to have to keep following it throughout the year, because this really sounds different than like Time Stories and Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. This this sounds like you really got to put some brain power. By, well, no, it's not fair. You got to do that in Time Stories and Consulting Detective. I don't want to say you don't have to put brain power by it. But anyway, you're going to have to really take it up a level so this is interesting now we used to encourage people not to bring phones to the game table oh good now gosh. we actually want people getting online and searching for stuff and he mentioned the fourth wall i love things that break the fourth wall one of the most popular fourth wall breaking movies came from the 80 and that was ferris bueller i loved 
what they did with that because it just totally changed the, how the game felt. Deadpool is a classic character in comics who constantly breaks the fourth wall. Well, now Ignacy's going to try to break the fourth wall with this game. Tony, you and I had a chance to actually sit and talk with Chevy Dodd, who is the North American Portal Games representative or marketing specialist. He calls himself, I believe on his business card, what was it, Internet Hero? Yes, I believe that is correct. Internet Hero, um, savant of the Daily Shed, as well as... That beard. Holy cow. Anyway. <laughs> so we actually got him uh, online to talk and he said, oh, you mentioned the game Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. He says, take that. But instead of the answers and clues being side of a manual, it's just out there in the web somewhere and you got to go find it. Yeah. And then I asked, uh, I said, the thing was, I said, with these scenarios, are they replayable? And he said, they're not really replayable. And Tony, before you, you, you and I got on, you said you kind of look at this like an escape room, right? right? You do an escape room once, escape room in a box. You solve the puzzles. You're kind of done with it. It's the same here. That's why there are five scenarios in the box. And like First Martians, where they're going to release some more scenarios, they're going to do the same here and release more scenarios over time for you to be able to play. Really, in a way, it'd be kind of neat if this was an RPG, which who knows what they're going to come out with by 2018. You're leveling up your detective some. This this could go many, many ways. This will be interesting. Yeah, yeah, it will. Because the idea, he said, over those those five scenarios actually tell a full story. And he said, you can play them individually, but the idea is that one will lead into the other to give you an, like an overarching story. And I asked, I said, how long, you know, does it take to play one of these sessions? He said, this is so early in development right now. They've only actually tried one and it takes 60 to 90 minutes, but obviously they're probably going to be where some scenarios maybe take longer than the other. So not only is he breaking the fourth wall, they're really breaking some standard board game rules here to try to bring this out. And I can't wait to see what they do with it. And it's amazing. It's already, it's just the beginning of 2017 and he's already planning for 20. 2018. Well, I'm leave it at that because, you know, I still want my expansions for the other games, but we'll let him, I'll cut him some slack here. Okay. Hey, he's forward thinking, right? He's probably already got the other stuff done for 2017. So now he's looking into 2018. We did ask Chevy when it's going to be coming out. And he says, we don't really know. We would love to shoot for the, the mid year, but he said, it's just way too early for them to be able to, to tell. All right. So guys, that's something else for you to follow over at Portal Games. And I can't wait to see how this you know, manifest how it develops, what they've got in mind. You know, Ignacy, he he is the man. Just plain and simple. He is. So that's called Detective, a modern crime board game. And obviously you'll want to go over to their website at portalgames.pl to follow what's going along with this game plus their other games. But I I can't wait to see where this goes to just because it sounds so different. Uh, I agree with you. But you know what else you need to do, Marty? What is that, Tony? Keep rolling dice and taking names. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names. Join our BGT Guild 1589 if you want to follow along on those polls Tony posts. Plus, like our page on Facebook. In our box of goodies from Passport Game, not only did we get Kingdom Festival, the card game. You mean Kingsport Festival? Okay, we'll restart. So in our box box of goodies from Passport Games. We got Kingsport Festival, the card game, which you heard in the last segment. Now, you mean last episode? Oh. I think that it's... I've totally lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. It's not 11 o'clock your time. (laughs) (laughs) 
Guys, you hear us talk about fun again. Go out and get your games from fun again. Be sure to use that code RDTM when you complete your order that shows that you listen to the show and that we sent you that way. But if you ever want to just check out, Fun Again has a YouTube channel and they talk about the various unboxing of games so you can see before you buy what may be in it. You know, Marty, he's even got an unboxing of Squirrel Rush. Squirrel Rush, the family game. Squirrel Rush. We just got to get that just for the show. Yeah, yeah, we do. Why don't we have that yet? Well, because it's a family game and it's a little bit too simple for you and... Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. No, no, it's not. Look look, look at us. Nothing's too simple for us. Exactly. So, guys, if you want to go check out their weekly updates on what came in, unboxings, reviews that they have, how to place, it's all out there on their YouTube channel. So, be sure to go out and type in the search for YouTube fun again games or definitely go out to their website funagain.com for all your board gaming needs